Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for our final, with an asterisk, uh, <laughs> episode covering Steins Gate. It's episodes 23 and 24. I'm Alex. Hi, this is Blixa. Uh, and today we're we're hoping Ben can make it later. Uh, uh, he's still dealing with some baby stuff, but soon we're hoping he'll be part of this conversation. But we do have in-house fucking super excited to have Professor Viral. Yay. Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for having me back again. There's like there's like a whole like twenty second lead up to like what am I gonna say in the whole time I didn't think of what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a show tradition. We have all these things that we know are gonna happen. Like what are we gonna say at the end? And we always wait until <laughs> the moment we're gonna do it to to figure it out. So yeah, what what is happening with you? What's going on in in your life? Are you uh, uh, are, are you still putting out YouTube videos? Yeah, closing in on the hundred k. Wow! Wee. They send you a plaque for that, right? At a hundred thousand, they do. You have to put it like fill out a form for it. But the day of, I'm filling out that form. Hell yeah! This has been an eight year journey. Nice. But yeah, it's just a, a few uh, videos in the past, really the past year, but mostly the past kind of like eight months or so, just have kind of like gone way up um, oh cool and so yeah i mean youtube's always an up and down game but yeah you gotta please the algorithm all that garbage i just never do <laughs> uh is there anything you put out recently that you're like really proud of or anything you're working on now that you're really excited about um oh you know you think i'd be like ready to uh answer that, <laughs> but um, i'm not let me look real quick uh, <laughs> i'll make i'll make pleasant conversation in the meantime about um Oh, uh, there was one I did uh, a few months ago, The Depths of Obsession, uh, which mm. was actually callbacks to talking about Monica Magica in part. Awesome. But yeah, that uh, with I also used 91 Days and uh, Serial Experiments Lane, just kind of talking about like that, how much like obsessing over one thing can basically become like all of you, mm -hmm. uh, because I realized that I was I had started doing that with a um, with a topic I was like that was really important to me, but I couldn't get right. And so for mm -hmm. like three weeks, I didn't get anything else done because I was just trying to make this one video. And it, it, like right. I eventually had to step back and be like, I wrote 70 pages for this and I can't use any of it wow. because like I just Crap. I couldn't get it. It wasn't the right thing. And so mm -hmm. that turned into making a video about obsession. Brilliant. Hey, that's magic, man. That's that's <laughs> transmuting, you know, uh, uh, frustration into success. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Awesome. Is there is there anything going on with us? Any news? Oh my gosh, Blixey, you saw oh, Godzilla minus one. I saw it Do twice. You want to give us a little what your your impressions? Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I think it might be my favorite Godzilla movie. Uh, it's more in line with like Godzilla fifty four, eighty four, and Shin Gojira. Okay. Uh, it is not a remake of nineteen fifty four. Okay. Um, it's not an action movie either. So I think if people go in with that expectation, they're going to be disappointed. Um, I won't spoil it. Like Godzilla is a metaphor again, but it's not for the atomic bomb. Okay. Uh, but it's set in 1947. Shouldn't it be called Godzilla minus seven then? Like, why is it? Is there a reason it's called minus one? I have a theory, but I, it would It'd be spoilery. Yeah. Okay. 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 Maybe, maybe once I've seen it, we can spoil it for everybody else. Yeah. Well, in that case, Last time on, whose death is it anyway? Okabe had a choice to make. Who will die, Mayuri or Makise? So instead of grappling with that, he tried one last time to save Mayuri. 
They spent the day together at a cosplay convention, but instead of being present with Mayuri, Okabe hyperfixated on her still seemingly inevitable death. At the appointed time, a car careened towards them. Okabe thought to spare Mayuri by killing himself, but Mayuri was just so much better at self-sacrifice. After another reset, Okabe found Mayuri at her grandmother's grave, where she revealed she had been having visions of her own death. After a visit to the place of her potential demise, Makise had similar visions of her own stabbing. But are these dreams, imagination, or fleeting glimpses of reading Steiner? With Makise's help, Okabe finally decided to save Mayuri, thus dooming Makise. The pair then spent a tender moment together, culminating in a kiss. A few silent goodbyes later, and the relationship they had forged was undone, until Suzuha X Makina showed back up to throw one more wrench into this neatly wrapped up story. Can the crew avert World War III? Will Okabe make any decisions at all? Does this show have steaks? Let's find out. I wish it was just a scene of them eating steaks now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, three, two, one, play. Gosh, I can't believe we're here at the end. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, it's been a wild ride for me. Oh, me too. I made a lot of progress. I started really liking Okabe and really enjoying the series. And I think these last two episodes are not good. Okay. But then yeah. again, I like sad endings. And this is a very happy ending. Oh, okay. It has like all the makings of a very like bitter, not even bittersweet, but like bitter, but survivable ending. Mm-hmm. And then these episodes. <laughs> Are there any stories with happy endings you do like? Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of stories with happy endings I like. But I tend to gravitate towards the ones that have sad endings because the sad endings, like they stick with me, you know, like a happy ending when it happens at the end of a story, I'm like, oh, okay, I can just leave that because I'm emotionally satisfied. A sad ending like stays with me and I have to keep thinking about it. Okay. Well, I can tell you what I like about this episode before we get negative or before everybody else, you know, tells me what they like about this episode. How do you feel? I love Mayuri slapping him Mm -hmm. because in the very first episode, one of the very first things we got and it's in the intro and it kept being an important thing, although it was a little esoteric. It wasn't like the time travel, the hard science things happening, right? But Mayuri's hand reaching towards the sun or the stars or whatever to like invite this magic into their world. It's awesome. And so her being the one to slap him and be like, hey, come to your senses. Like that was awesome. Because again, Mm -hmm. it was her hand. Because I think Mary's done a little dirty in this series. I think that She's very important, and I think that it makes her an object way too much. She's the thing to be saved, and Ocarine just doesn't really... She's never, like, brought up to the level of partner, really. And that was her own agency being like, look, I can help. I know what to do in this situation. I'm emotionally brilliant. And then also, he then reaches towards the sun Mm -hmm. and does the hand thing, which, like... I don't know how I feel about him taking it from her, but like if that's her passing it to him, that's super cool. Like he needs this inspiration in this moment of darkness. Like, am I going to go back? Is it possible to save her? And so he reaches out and he gets something from his future self or from the cosmos. And that that those shots, that moment is great. I, I really like that. Yeah, I didn't think about that for a while that like for most of the series, they make a big deal about like, saving her and then the whole time trying to save her there's that constant running uh note they make of like hey you're really not spending much time with Mayuri recently yes but yeah i guess this is the only real correction we get to that 
because we never actually see like even again when he goes to Kamima with her it's still like he's not he's distant not there so yes. this is I guess is like the only time where that's actually somewhat corrected yeah um so I feel like Miori's arc was concluded with the last episode in 23 or 22 mm-hmm. Okreen gets back and he starts doing the grandiose role playing and she cuts him off and says you don't have to talk like that anymore she says like i'm okay now it's like you can cry now and i don't know what's going on with her like she has this like cosmic knowing Mm -hmm. because that's like a maori that's not in the same timeline that ocarine is but she just knew like things were different now she has the magic behind her known as the writer. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, or like in, intuition, right? Like, yeah, she has they, known they are for so, so close to each other. Mm-hmm. She can tell he's not authentically being Kyo and Kyoma. He's like faking it for her. And she's like, I don't want you to fake it for me. Right. Like, mm, okay. But that felt like Maori saving Ocarine in a sense in that moment. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, Mary, I have no problems with her. Yeah. But also I Ocarine kept promising her, you know, someday I'm going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to tell you all about what's happening. And that day has never come. And it does not come in this series. Well, mm. in this episode, he does say like witnessing her die over and over again. But like this Maori we're seeing now hasn't gone through all this separation stuff and doesn't need yeah. an explanation for anything. Okay, well, he promised something. And whether the other person remembers it or not, he doesn't come through on his promise. Well, there there wouldn't be anything to explain. Are you kidding me? No, like she didn't experience the separation in Ocarine's distance. That was the other timelines. But he experienced all of this stuff. And she talked about having dreams of her own death. And he promised her, someday I will level with you and talk about all of this stuff. And whether she remembers it or not, I think that's a failing yeah. on Okabe's part. Well, let's keep in mind. So it is revealed in this episode, he's 18 mm-hmm. and has gone through three weeks of emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is now the peak of it. And he still gets to muster out the words that he's like watched me already die over and over again. Right. And if it was him taking the time to talk to her about it, I would feel very differently. You got he... <laughs> high expectations <laughs> for someone with PTSD. Sure. I mean, he's supposed to be a genius, a mad scientist. I have high expectations for him. <laughs> I, I think that's just his role play. I think he's just an 18 year old kid. OK, that's one of the weird things is like he he's like they never kind of really explain his actual level of like scientific knowledge mm-hmm. because they actually like do make like they actually at least like mechanically and electrically inclined in like a technician level. But then he also like curse who's doing most of the intellectual stuff but daru's also actually building it and then in the future okabe actually does create time travel it's Mm -hmm. like i guess maybe somewhere along the lines he turned that bravado into actual knowledge and maybe now he doesn't have it but that's one of the things that was always weird to me is we never actually get like a consistent read on what he knows or doesn't know so so there are a lot of things in this episode that do get explained by that alternate series which yeah, kind of diverges from this point, and and so for example, that like you know how he gets that technical knowledge, sort of there we get insight into more insight of to where that slap comes from, and mm. then also this transformation at the end back into human Kyoma. So if I guess listeners are 
curious to have like you know if you want to go if you're having fun in this universe and you want to go through a whole nother series that kind of loops back to this point that that is out there and what is that called Stonsgate zero yes yeah, Stonsgate zero and so then there's an alternate episode that's called 23b trying to remember if it sort of starts the same way or if it starts at that slap moment. Hmm. I think it is actually the exact, like, I don't know how much is like too spoilery to say, but uh, I think it is like the exact same up until that point where it changes. Mm. So I think okay. it also counts as the first episode of Zero, yeah. possibly. We haven't done mm. a spoiler section in a long time. <laughs> um, do you, so do you want a little spoilers of the sort of what the premise is? So it's a little bit of spoilers of that 23B episode, or do you want to experience the 23B? I mean, I don't want, I don't want to ruin it for any listeners, but okay. I, I would love to know what, what the hell is going well, on. Well, let's do the 23B and then no. uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave it as a teaser for now. Okay. Okay. Um, and as for his breakdown, like, yes, he is entitled to have a breakdown. He's having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. But one thing that really bothers me is he, he said like, I couldn't save Mayuri. I like tried over and over and over and over. And I'm like, yeah. And then you did find a solution. <laughs> you were going about it the wrong way. You tried well, something else and then you saved her. Did but he actually, it was still at the expense of another life. Right. Absolutely. So if he wasn't so quick to give up on Mayuri, but now he's very quick to give up on this one, maybe because Makise means more to him or that nerve is rawer than Mayuri's nerve is. Because he's in love with her, right? Which is, you know, they're very, I assume they're uh, uh, similar emotional magnitude, but it's different watching your f- best friend die as opposed to your lover die. But it's also the nature of it. Like, it's one thing to like watch someone you love die over and over again. And it's another thing to kill someone to, you love yeah. over and over again. Uh, and and two, I think it's like you've been searching for this one solution for so long and now you finally got it but then you realize the cost of your new solution. And it's like, I think it's like that disappointment of like, like, you know, the feeling of maybe, oh, I could search for a solution again, but like, you know, something like this is inevitable. Like if mm. I find another solution, someone else, like what's the point of trying because I finally succeeded, but then I still failed. I think also it's that he really didn't even actually find a solution to Mayuri's death. He just fixed his own mistake, which led to it. Mm, um, okay. So I guess you could even phrase it as like he he might not even think he can find one because what he learned is that he was went through all that pain just undoing his mistake. And so now if he tries to do that again, what if he just sets off a whole nother chain of events that basically mm. leads to him having to undo it again? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's convoluted for sure. <laughs> well, one thing I, I did appreciate about like the I guess the mechanics of the story, it's like um the reason why they had to have that initial mistake because uh, it sent Okreen on this 15-year obsession that resulted in Suzuha being able to be there with the time machine. And then, you know, if this mission is a success, our Okreen will never go through that 15-year period of developing this time machine. Uh, that's always really interesting. Right. I mean, it all seems like wibbly-wobbly time paradoxy to me. Really? Like, it- like I feel like that's pretty linear. Well, if he doesn't go through the 15 years to develop the time machine, which means he doesn't have the capability of changing it in the first place. Well, the 23, there, there's some stuff. I think the same way that 
there's some stuff that happens in episode one that you're just mm. like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. I think they figured out a way to make it so there's some stuff that you don't see happening in this episode that then with the knowledge of 23B resolves some of those paradoxes. Okay. Yeah, wait, wait, what yeah. paradox are we talking about? Like, I think whether there is this Ocarin that's gone through that 15 years of developing this time machine. Mm-hmm. For Suzuha to come back with. Yeah. yeah. I guess also it's not technically a paradox since the whole world line thing is like basically them writing around paradoxes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, this is so while we're on the topic of paradoxes, this is a thought I had while watching this that I don't know if it completely makes sense. But so in this instance, you know, there's this attractor field convergence where we know for some reason he has to see the, you know, the blood, right? He has to see, mm-hmm. think he sees her dying. And and it's almost like the convergence is happening because that needs to happen to stop a paradox from happening. Mm. And I wasn't sure if that's true in the other eight instances where we have this convergence, that it's not so much a fate thing as maybe like the universe is somehow like puts up these walls to stop the paradoxes. Um, I don't think that that's true in the other instances, but uh, I hope I'm hoping it's somehow true because that would be sort of a cool way to explain that fade and, and kind of explain away the possibility of paradoxes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like that too. I like the idea that the universe like tries to maintain its own continuity. Like that's cool. That's a cool idea to me. Yeah, like like that if you go back in time, fate will stop the time machine that you used from not being invented. Like that's yes. just sort of like a rule of how it works to go back in time or something. <laughs> that, that's I think something that actually like, I really do like about the series is that like they're really except for like possibly the rounders there really isn't like a villain in the story at least not a consistent one like nakabachi and the rounders they kind of only are important for like two episodes each Mm -hmm. as like very villainous characters but like i guess i don't know if that's like a classic time travel thing or not because i usually i'm not engaged in much time travel stuff but like Mm -hmm. the enemy is just fate Uh, i like that it's it's mysterious and like Mm -hmm. there is no singular like person or object that they can really be mad at it's just the the culmination of their own actions that's called fate or something like that yeah i mean it's sort of like an animal like there's these certain beats that have to happen and what they're learning is how to accommodate that like we're going to make sure these beats happen but the outcome will be what we want it to be yeah and i guess that's it's weird to try and find the line where like they're not undoing their own message because Obviously, as Okabe is going through and undoing all the D-mails that he did for his friends, he's, you know, part of that is basically having to live with the world that you're in, having to come to terms with those certain facts that you can't change because they were very important. They, they made mm-hmm. you who, who you are and things like that. But then we have them now basically almost going against that where they're saying, but actually, this yeah. one time we can kind of go and change that. But I guess since they're kind of that introduces a new layer to it where it's not that they're going against that message, but saying there's some leeway there. Like if you really try, you can fake it. You can kind of trick fate in a way and Mm -hmm. um, Mm. not change everything, but work with that wiggle room, I guess. Um, But it is. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to. No, I just uh, I'm just kind of like on the spot trying to, I guess, resolve what feels like to me almost thematic inconsistencies yes i i 
to me, it's maybe it's like you thought the attractor line in this case was Carisi's death, but that's not actually the thing that fate is dictating. Yeah, I guess you have to think that you saw her die to send that text. Yeah, like like that. But that's that's the convergence line. So it's like, um, so yeah, you have like the wiggle still that convergence line, but it's not what you initially thought it was. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, I guess like the you guys all have a problem with that. No, with I, the I, themes I, of the show suddenly <laughs> shifting? I don't think it fully does, but I I, yeah. I I think it can be reasoned it doesn't. But I think it does, like there are some points where it's it really feels like it's about to. So I'm heavily viewing this through the lens of Madoka Magica. And that, that can be a failing on my part. Like I'm not I- engaging with the work as it is, right? I'm not, I'm not able to see past my own uh, biases. But like, it seemed like there was a similar message uh to like homera in that you have to learn to grieve you have to learn to accept that not everything can be changed not everyone can be saved and now it's like well not really though right like you you can still you don't have to choose between mayuri and makise dying you you can just figure out a clever way to save both of them well and i think maybe like like I might be trying to take this into highfalutin of a direction, but I think there is this sort of like concept of like the thesis, the antithesis, and the synthesis that mm. we had the original Okarin, the sort of the Hyoin Kyoma Okarin, and then he lost all of that joy and became this very serious guy. And now, sort of like we're at the slap, we're at the moment where like, Oh. he needs to combine these two things, right? Like there's like a disadvantage of being one way. There's a disadvantage of being the other way. One way leads to uh, Mayuri dying. The other way leads to Carisi dying. But like there is a third path, which is mm. like the synthesis where you like you can sort of have your cake and eat it too. Mm. And that there is at least some idea of like he's coming to terms with himself, if not with the events around him. Yeah. Well, if the theme was uh, you cannot cheat fate, then I would have been bored by this show because I've already seen that story before. Uh, I yeah. feel like this is more about growing and maturing. Yeah. And you have a, this arc where he keeps doing the same thing over and over again and not learning, which is also classic trauma behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's he's got these relationships that intervene. Then he changes and grows. He's able to see things in a different way. And, and, and I think that too is sort of like that. Yeah. Like as you get older, you need to mature, but how can you like mature without losing losing yourself, your core Mm. personality, right? Like how can you keep a little, that spark of your curiosity and your charm? And, and it's also like, cause it's, we see like throughout that, you know, Halloween Kiyomo is just an act he made up essentially to relate to people, to be able to kind of like help them and connect with them in a way that, that felt more free. Um, Like it was, you know, his excuse to kind of have that freer social interaction to act without inhibition and those things. Yeah. And I forgot why I started saying that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, well, uh, if I may, like we, we have these characters that are lonely and isolated. Uh, they interact through these facades and through the course of the story, they start to develop real relationships and mm-hmm. this crowd might feel like this is kind of cheesy, but um, love wins in the end. Like, Ocarine grows and learns how to love. And I think that's the catalyst that changes him. And he's able to see things and do things differently. 
you know, when you think about it as like sort of like maybe it's a little bit dating sim roots, you know, you have this yeah. sort of like eccentric nerdy guy that then like ends up meeting all of these like different people and like, I don't know, like, like maybe it is sort of a story about, yeah, like him learning to socialize and like be more comfortable in his skin through, through meeting all these people and having all these interactions around, around this time machine. Mm. It, it is interesting that it, it like started basically as, you know, a, a visual novel dating sim, because I think that's, that, that's part of why we get the, the ending that, that can leave people a bit nixed because, you know, they made a game where there was uh, an ideal ending that if you kept going and, and, you know, finding the right routes you would get to. Mm-hmm. And so they, they wrote like a rewarding, you know, uh, um, final message the players could eventually get to that mm. is then like, I guess, the canonical ending. So they had to do that. Mm. So this is probably a stretch, but maybe fate is another character in the story that Ocreen had to learn how to have a proper relationship with that accommodating what it demanded rather than trying to force what he wanted. Mm. There's a compromise in the end. Yeah. I guess he could like to, to do what it requires, but like in a different way or find his own way to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I do have more to say about some of this stuff, but uh, I think it would be equally valid after the next episode. Yeah. So uh, uh, if anybody else has any thoughts on this episode uh, or where we are before we go on to the next one. Uh-huh. I, I was just going to say my criticism of this episode is I really don't like the conflict between uh, Chrissy and her father. Like it just feels like he's just like too evil and she is a cartoon right (laughs) and and she's also this like mother mary you know like she just got stabbed by this stranger (laughs) and like she's like i'm sorry for getting you like i just wanted my father to love me like (laughs) when she should be like call an ambulance (laughs) i'm bleeding why did why did you do that which i almost feel like that would be like more effective if like she was like why did you stab me (laughs) (laughs) just because it'd be more heartbreaking for him to be like blamed for his own death but but i guess maybe like because she's so saintly i don't know Mm -hmm. it just i wish it was a little more subtle what if she said that and he was like bitch that was an accident (laughs) like like i sort of wish like maybe she did something that was felt rude to her father unthinkingly and then like he was just like very like offended that she's like pitying him or something i don't know she's a classic learned victim she's raised by a piece of shit and then she had no self-worth so everything's her fault yeah he is he comes out of there both barrels like he is the worst father ever yeah (laughs) but uh, if you find that hard to believe i should introduce you to my dad okay yeah (laughs) I was going to say, uh, it reminded me of this story I heard recently. It's this uh, comedian, Simon Rich, but he's sort of like comedic writer. He writes short stories um, and he's got a book or a story similar to this in his book, Hits and Misses, about a father who, a novelist who is jealous of his unborn son's writing career. <laughs> and it's like extremely, it's extremely funny. He writes these sort of like absurdist stories that I think are worth checking out. That's pretty wild. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Any last thoughts for this one? Or do we feel okay uh, to go on to the next one? Alex, you might enjoy it if you're on Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> You'll ask a lot less questions. <laughs> I, I want to see a, a creator like doing an interview. Like some fans weren't, uh, you know, didn't find your story very enjoyable. How would you respond to them and be like, you should try it again on Benadryl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, woo! I don't like your art. Have you tried drugs? <laughs> 
Well, Ben, do you want to do the countdown? Sure. Three, two, one, play. Oh, wow. They are different. The song and the video is different. Hmm. Oh, wild. I thought maybe the lyrics shifted. Oh, also, I was a little disappointed that nothing ever came of the the alpaca man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was really fixated on that. I assume that that's something where like it was in the game more than it was in this Um, and they just threw it in for fans or something, but hmm. maybe it got cut. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to be like, well, Alpaca Man's actually created by CERN and that's how they've been. (laughs) Yeah, that's where where my mind was going. And like, am I misunderstanding? He said to himself in the video, Steinsgate doesn't mean anything. I think he's like the name name. Steinsgate. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And yet she's like, well, is this the Steinsgate universe? You're like, I don't think that's a real thing. No, I think I think it is a thing. It's the timeline that Krisu and Mayushi both live. Mm. The reason it's called Steinsgate is for no reason. Like, okay. it's just like he thought yeah. it sounded cool. Which is a little disappointing to me as an audience member, because the whole time you're like, <laughs> what does Steinsgate mean? You're like, nothing. I love that it means nothing. <laughs> Well, that was the Ocarin's whole thing was just naming things weird names. So, mm. yeah, and I, I don't like this. I don't like the image of Mayuri chasing after him and not never finding him. It it, it upsets me. Hmm. I guess maybe it's supposed to be coming full circle to him trying to find her mm. on that day that she died. It's like that's a good plot device. Like because of Mayuri trying to track him down, we find out. You know, everyone getting the badges. I mean, all of this super happy stuff, I don't like it. Yeah? Yeah, like this aftermath stuff, it's fine. I, I'm not wondering where all these characters are, personally. Oh, not very sentimental. This part baffles me. I liked it. I liked the ending. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I think there's like ways it could be better geared for the things I like in stories, but I can't mm-hmm. say I don't enjoy it. Like it does. I get the smile from it. It was still emotional the whole way through. Well, I'm glad. Just I'll tell why it why I like it. There's so many stories where like fate is cruel. And that's not what I subscribe to. I think fate is just fate that it's morally neutral. It can be cruel, it can be kind. And like here we have the same mechanism that we've seen through the whole series, but playing out in a positive way. Like they all come together like fate makes them all come together because they're supposed to be tied to each other's lives somehow uh Mm. i I think that's really neat and then like i don't think he reverts back to his doofus persona i think like he's performing it again because like maybe that's what he's learned like fate demands certain things so he can be this obnoxious guy and like maybe that's what it is for now but you know he has changed so Maybe you've got to watch Ben's episode 23B or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a whole other 24 episodes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I definitely think he does go through a, a shift of like meeting in the middle between how much he's been faking it and how much of that faking it he's actually like uh, feels okay with and has come to terms with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because it is like the way that he's built all these relationships in kind of an easy way. And it does have a positive impact on people in that you know, especially like Ferris and Rukuko, they both get to kind of be special in a way because he goes around and says, oh, here's your cursed sword that you're growing better with, or here's your mm-hmm. special move that you're mastering. 
And so it's kind of like a very not genuine, genuine way for him to build a connection with these people and say how much they mean to him. Yeah. And uh, that's something I really like about it, I guess. Uh, And then so him coming to terms with it kind of shows that like, you know, maybe it shouldn't be all of him, but to have that, uh, to have an easy way to do that isn't really the worst thing in the world is maybe what he would understand at the end. Mm. Uh, because he he doesn't have an outburst like where before we see him say like it's all an act and he he kind of almost seems mad about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the end, he seems more at peace with it, I guess, because if you fake something for you know, like 10 years or so, it will become a part of you. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> I think that's what everyone's doing. And uh, like no one knows how anything works. The world's built of tissue paper and dreams. Uh, and that's something else that I love about the series, too, is like. This is a bunch of children uncovering time travel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it's crazy. Of course, they will mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, you're awful quiet. Uh, I was trying to search for this quote about, you know, like, be careful wearing masks or you become the masks. But mm. everything when I Googled <laughs> is about like COVIDs and then, and then you oh my God. <laughs> I, I can't remember the quote well enough. <laughs> it's similar to a beast I am, lest a beast I become, right? It's kind of this like mm. self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I like that like, uh, I guess like Code Geass is kind of like the anti-Steins gate in that way. Mm. Where like mm. Okabe is, you know, it's just very much like, oh, it's becoming a part of him. It's actually a good thing. And Code Geass is definitely that more like depressing, like you have become your mask. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, like, see, I I enjoyed that the whole series, his putting on a mask to get at the truth, you know, doing a, a a falsehood or a fiction in order to get at a genuine connection. That's the part of him that like kept, you know, I turned around on him, but like, he's still just doing that. And now maybe he has, he does it less reflexively and more in control, but like the talking on his phone to no one affect, I would still just find that really obnoxious, <laughs> whether he was being charming about it or not. Um, and that seemed to be the the example of like, this is what has changed inside of him. He's now confident when he does this as opposed to doing it reflexively. Mm. Well, what if um, who he's talking to on the phone is fate? Oh, I don't know. I don't really believe in fate. And if there is a fate, it's complete. I think it's completely unknowable to us because we exist within this three. Well, no, universe. I mean, I don't mean in the real world. I just mean like, like, because that's what the story deals with a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's just a Benadryl thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is like him still talking the phone though. I think that's kind of the point though, where uh, like for the longest time, like, cause again, he's part of what kind of gets them into so much danger is because he's only using Halloween Kioma as an excuse for other people. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. using it to say like, I'm the mad scientist who will fix my friend's pasts. Mm. Um, and then in the end, he's kind of like using it for himself. Mm. Like he's basically giving himself an excuse to be like, I have to be friends with her. Because I think it'd be very easy, like if I was in that situation, and this is kind of like the Sunny Boy coming out in me, uh, the anime Sunny Boy. Like I'd probably see that and, and think to myself, like, no, maybe I shouldn't, and have some doubts about, like, should I really seek this person out again? And mm-hmm. then that's basically him going, like, no, nah, I'll make up a reason to. And I, I think that it can be for the good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that as some growth. I, I had not considered it that way, that he was using it for himself as opposed to using it for someone else. That's that's good. I thought thing is interesting, like that he includes Moeka again, who, you know, in another timeline he knows is like capable of horrible things. 
but you know, he finally does see her through the lens of like this exploited person who's depressed and lonely. Uh, and he takes the time to like get a badge for her and include her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and endings are always really hard. Um, you know, so there's sort of like one ending of this is that him with Suzuha in the time machine, I'll see you in seven years. Like that's when the credits come in. Right? Yes. So in some ways that's like the true ending. And then the rest of what we get is sort of like the the epilogue maybe, yeah. or sort of like the A victory lap. Yeah. And, you know, I do, I think I agree with you, Alex, a little bit. Like I do wish maybe if they're going to bother doing that, like do show a little bit more growth of Ocarin or something like that. Um, mm. Whereas it feels like instead it is just sort of like these like sentimental, let's just like show every character again. And it's almost like the eighties movie, like, where are they now? You know, like how, where did they all end up? Oh, damn. She works for Dr. Red. I, I'm a big fan of that. Ending. You guys are I, tough. I'm not, I'm not, sh- I'm not shitting on that ending. Right. But it okay. like, that is sort of like the type of, ending it is which maybe to be tough is like that doesn't feel congruent with like how dark and like crazy of a series this has been it's like sort of like that feels like it was the ending to the the harem anime that this wasn't mm, or something okay like so you don't agree with me about like the fate thing that that fate was bringing them together no i, I think you're right um and like i think he is sort of like yeah he's sort of talking to fate on the phone or something Mm -hmm. like that and probably of that sequence well i don't know i was about to say the krisu part at the end like maybe i like that more or that felt like like that was like a good sort of like capping to it of like okay you know what's going to happen in this new timeline it sort of advances it forward a little bit Mm. Mm. well i will confess my bias uh, I felt like that scene was more gratifying than the end of Your Name, which is a movie that I love. Oh, but God. like Your Name, <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I wanted a little bit more, like for them. Spoilers. Mm. Uh, nah, mm. we don't have to talk about that. I hated Your Name. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> really? We're gonna have I, to have the one. Didn't, talk about it. <laughs> I didn't outright hate it, but like the first time I was going through it, I was like. I was really like, I remember like I got halfway through and was like, I'm hungry. And I like, I was enjoying it so much. I rushed to mm. like go prepare food, come back up and eat it while I was watching it. But the more and more I thought about it, the more I was just like, I hate everything this is saying. <laughs> so not a romantic. No, I just, it, there's, there's nothing I could say without spoiling it. But yeah, I, I was not a fan. Can you see why a trans person would really love it? Yes. Part of why I like don't like it, though, is that like it starts to have that aspect to it, but then kind of doesn't do what I thought it could have with it. It felt very like incidental, I guess. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's part of my problem with this is that, you know, Okabe does change, but it's not very apparent to me like i and i'm glad i'm i'm talking to all of you because you pointed out things that i'm like okay that is different and that's different and it's subtle but that's different because mm. to me it was just like okay we're back at the beginning but now we're super happy because no one has to die yeah and maybe you're right maybe i mean maybe it's not so much i was thinking that he sort of like learned how to be serious when he needs to which mm. is in some ways like he shows a calm under pressure in this moment of pressure but in some ways maybe it's like he learned how to stay himself under pressure you know he sort of lost his personality and became the shell of himself 
when he went through this very hard traumatic thing and by the end he can sort of be himself even in this very extreme Mm -hmm. situation well also let's not overlook like he has a new reverence for the timeline like initially it's it's a game they're experimenting with altering time it's so frivolous Mm. and i think that's like kind of you know maybe he doesn't change so much in in a certain way like i I think he does i'm definitely Mm. in the camp if he does change and kind of finding the point between those two selves but also did things need to change or did he need to change because that's kind of what got him into trouble in the first place was trying to change things you gotta accept who you are okabe be okay with okabe i don't know i think episode one okabe was pretty shitty (laughs) but yeah uh and i and also with the endings i i kind of felt that like this ending's very happy, but I feel like it's a little weak. Like I really like, you know, a stark ending where things fucking end, you know, as opposed to this, I felt like 22 was like an ending. And then Suzuha comes in and is like, hold on, Okabe, everything is terrible in the future. We have to try again. And then like in this last one, episode 24, it kind of ends with like him coming back to, with uh, uh, Suzuha into the real world. And then instead of it having a credits or having a black screen or something and separating the mm. ending from the epilogue, it just keeps going. And so you're like, oh, just kidding. That's not the ending. Oh, just kidding. That's not the ending. Um, and it just gave me that kind of AI feeling from okay. that that movie. What movie? The movie AI? Or yeah. Yeah. Because that oh, had okay. like several I'm different directors and it just they just kept tacking on new. Yeah. So your I, criticism I, I is editorial. With the Lord of the Rings that like the third movie has like three endings. Oh yeah. That shit won't stop either. Um, <laughs> yes. I, 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 I have some editorial <laughs> criticisms. I think that Mayuri chasing after him is a bad, I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it, it had a, a meaning of like, well, he was chasing after her and now she's chasing after him. And that's fine. It doesn't get there for me. Um, yeah. And also, he left the hospital room without letting her know. I I think he's an asshole in that moment for not letting oh. Mayuri know that he's leaving the hospital room. They just wanted to be super dramatic about it. Yeah, and that's yeah, fine. Sure. But like, it's, it's it, not what I focus on. And it's a device for us to see all the characters. Yeah. yeah. But Mayuri's okay now. It's the now. Like, two minute wrap up. Right. Mayuri's great. And she was from the beginning. No, no, that's not what I mean. Like, she wasn't okay at the beginning. Like she was still dealing with like not being able to say goodbye to her grandmother. But I don't think that actually happened in the course of the show, right? No, no, like, no. But like we we start out with weird relationships that are like are like not the healthiest coping, and she is resolves it. She doesn't need it anymore. She says it explicitly in twenty two. Right. That's awesome. Yes. But I didn't like. She says that it happened, but I didn't see it happen. Like there wasn't a scene with her and Okabe where she thanks him for that before it actually, uh, before she's talking about it in the aftermath. I thought it was kind of implicit because like there were several scenes leading up to that where she becomes like the intuition thing. She starts to become aware of something changing and going on. But right. uh, I think the Maori we see at the end is pretty stable. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't think the hospital thing shook her. Okay. I think that's probably like... Okabe, you know, got discharged and just went on his merry way after being stabbed <laughs> with his massive stab wound. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy for her as a character. It shook me. It bothered me. Oh gosh, sorry. And there was this one other moment that I re- maybe it's a bad translation or something, but 
someone says, Suzu has like, oh, do you think Mary has reading Steiner? And he's like, no, <laughs> she just has maybe dreams of like, like deep down in her core. I'm like, how is that not a weak version of reading Steiner? Like, and well, that's that's a problem I've had through the show is several moments. Someone's like, well, maybe this. And he goes, no, you're wrong. You're dumb. <laughs> in the dub, they do make him say that they change it to him saying like, basically everyone does oh, is okay. like how they, cool. they changed it. Yeah, I think he says, yeah, yeah. Like it's not reading Steiner, but like everyone somewhere in their hearts, like they have memories of all of the things that have happened in all the timelines. Like that, that's mm. an ability that we all have some somewhere deep down inside or something like yeah. that. Mm. Okay. I mean, I remember Alex's timeline where he liked Steins Gate. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so long ago, you know? So many leaps ago. Um, here, here's a question for, for Alex, maybe to distract him from his hate. But did you uh, look up Operation Scold by any chance? Is this, is this is there deep lore? Uh, Scold was a good choice for it. Uh, it's one of the Norns. It's the youngest Norn. What's a Norn? Uh, the Norns are the fates in Norse mythology. There's three of them. They're very similar to the Greek fates, you know, the that the three of them are deciding people's uh, uh, destiny. And uh, Skuld is the youngest one, and she's so young that she's also considered a Valkyrie. So she's like the closest one to the mortal world because she actually goes over battlefields and you know, uh, presides over who's going to win and who's going to lose. And the name translates to should, debt, or obligation, which like, I thought that was a really cool name drop because if you look it up, you go, oh yeah, he feels obligated to go save Kurisu. That's a good one. But no, was there, is there an actual Operation Skull? Oh, oh no, sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah, it was like, this sounds like it's a reference that's not like a Japanese name so yeah i was curious what it was a reference to uh yeah and they also referenced verdande that was one of the other operations and that's another one of the norns i'd have to go hmm. back to see if they reference uh the last norn but uh, uh who's like Urur, uh but i never know how to pronounce that because it's got a uh, a little accent on top of it yeah and i'm just looking on wikipedia now so verdande is the present or like what's happening something like that and Ur mm. is fate. So you have fate, the kind of present, and then debt or obligation. Those are mm. our three norns. Yeah, ver the, uh, to you, Skald, there was really cool. Oh, but I do have one question, which is Moika and Braun at the end. Is that just a, look, fate will find a way to bring them together? Because in this new timeline, Moika doesn't become a rounder because they never need her to get the IBN and Braun I'm assuming Braun isn't a rounder either no. I think they still could be but maybe that's like him also kind of becoming a better person and saying like oh I won't just abandon her and let her reach an awful fate I'll actually like get her a job and like make sure she's okay because mm, I think okay. they both still would be really um, but there it... wouldn't be an organization see that's that's what bothers me because like Braun said, for him, it started like whenever he was younger, he yeah, said. way long ago. I mean, Surin's Sir, time machine stuff precedes yeah. everything that's happened in this timeline. What? Okay. So they just suck at technology. Yeah, the, the goo people, the banana goo people. Oh. That yeah, stuff. Yeah. They never succeeded. They, yeah, they never succeeded because they kept trying to send people back corporeally, and they never thought about sending just information back. Yeah, they never made the Karisu, whatever was in that paper 
never happened and so the arms race never happened and they never became the evil group that created the rounders maybe oh okay it just died as like a dead technology because they couldn't make it work yeah i don't know yeah something like that i don't know uh and then the other thing about the ending which kind of bothers me is that now Braun never knew suzuha like Um, she never went back to live her life in the 70s up to 2000 and so now Braun never met her never moved in with her and yet he still has the same crt shop which is like, I don't know, it's like fate, you know, having the guardrails that these things still have to happen. But that was really sad for me. Yeah, I guess, yeah, because the time machine this time can go forward. So that there's yeah. she wouldn't have got stuck in the past. Yeah. So it's just a minor thing. But it was a they they decided to have this, you know, victory lap. But of course, they didn't have the time to explain any of those things. Well, yeah. And I think as we alluded to on the uh, on a previous episode, there is a manga series that's called Brownie in Motion which is looking specifically at the timeline of Suzuha and Bronx. So who knows? Oh, maybe cool. maybe there is some weird explanation with that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm debating. I might try to find that somewhere. Yeah, fishing um, out. That'll be good. Well, there's a little bit of sadness for you, Alex. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and, and maybe I thought the theme and the, uh, the moral of the story was one thing. I thought it was coping with loss and, you know, learning to deal with grief as opposed to obsessing over it. And that's not what this story was trying to do. And that's fine. Like I, I missed it, you know? And so when it all came together, my sensibilities were like, what the fuck were we doing this whole time? But you know, if that, that's just me, that's just my experience. He he did sort of have to like learn to cope with the grief to get his shit together to save people. And all his friends still had to go through that. I guess there there are situations like that that happen. Like that is one, you know, usually you don't get to cope with grief to then get your shit together to save, stop the thing that is causing you the grief from happening right. in the first place. But often in life, you have to cope with grief to save other things in your life that are important to you mm, or okay. yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> and again, I'm just thinking of Madoka Magica with uh, Homura and I'm like, oh, Homura couldn't get over it. And so like, you know, that this that series ended really strong and then there was the movie follow up and you're like, oh, Homura got her cake and is eating it too, but that's a bad thing. <laughs> and we finally get to hopefully see the conclusion soon because we got trailers for it. Mm. It yeah. is like, um. I don't know. I, I like the arrow butcher darkness, but I don't want everything to be that dark. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I can't remember who mentioned it. Like uh, maybe Okabe's path was finding balance. You know, being a fatalist is no good, but then also being the person who thinks that you can will everything to happen. That's not good either. That's yeah. So I do feel like there was yeah. some kind of balance reached. Yeah. And where... I think that like he, cause he did have to basically undo like four or five good things he tried to do to get the one he wanted so there is definitely a balance of like yeah fate and you know the things you can't change have a lot of control but also if you do it right and find the right paths and put enough into it there are some things that you can change and make work yeah it feels like i don't know if this is accurate that when he finally did started doing things initially it was all kind of like ego driven or you know selfish intent you know like changing the timeline to buy an anime figure (laughs) it's like shit like that oh yeah win the lottery yeah when his actions started to become more selfless i feel like that's when things started to change and also i think um 
undoing it and trying to change things on like that idea yeah. of like a way that it's bad and good to do that is the way he messes things up is by sending the d-mails uh which is basically them taking like a quick and easy path to get the change they mm. want where they're saying like oh i'll just send this text message things will be different and then the way he has to undo that is basically like spending time with these people and understanding yeah. that and basically taking the hard mm. way to get them to change and like showing dedication like he gets almost killed for uh ferris with rukaka he rukiko, he goes on the date and like he, he's being more active to help them instead yeah. of trying to help them through these quick and in easy ways Ooh, great insight i think that that's one of the things i wrote as i was going back through it and i'm glad i remembered because it sounds really smart <laughs> <laughs> uh the rukika date episode i think that may have been my favorite i think it was for me i it's one of the ones i like I don't think I'd do a full analysis on because like, I think there's like a lot of controversy about certain aspects of the motivations behind it online. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do like, that's definitely one of my favorites. And I I love it too, because like, that's the one where he sees, I think the most that like his act can be good for people. Like people like that about him, even if it it can be obnoxious. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the thing you're saying, Blixa, about like fatalism versus thinking you can change everything, reminds me of uh, one of my favorite quotes: the Serenity Prayer, which is All right. God gave me give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I really do think that's like so much of life is like figuring that out. I don't know, mm. <laughs> especially wow. like you know, think about it a lot in terms of relationships and like. What what are my own bad behavior patterns that like I can change? Yeah. Or like what are the things I just have to sort of accept about myself and like wow. try to other convince other people to accept about me too? Yeah. And, That's so appropriate for Steinsgate. Yeah, it does sort of feel like one of the sort of themes or something like that. Mm. So the theme is alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, and so his Hoeing Kyoma persona, I oftentimes found it abrasive, but there was in this episode when he uses it to match the level of Makise's father. Like, because he comes in as this cartoon villain, <laughs> yeah. and Hyoing Kyoma's like, Well, I'll give you a protagonist to match. Like, that was very appropriate. That was good. Yeah. I think it's, it's almost even more of like, You think you're the villain? <laughs> <laughs> you think you're a mad scientist? <laughs> I think that's why, like, I, I could never dislike this series because I, I, I adore Hoeing Kyoma. <laughs> it, it makes me feel okay about being a bit like mad scientist in my own life uh-huh. because there's definitely nights where I'll just be like, like, oh, a friend sitting up by the fire and I'm there like, but what if we contemplate the mysteries of the universe real quick and get like annoying <laughs> in that way and like try to make mad speeches? You got to do the, the hand motions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what unlocks the potential. Oh, and that's another thing I like about it too is it's even like kind of infectious in a way. Like we see like Kurosu even uses his own persona to motivate him mm-hmm. when he's like, oh my, I can't do this. Like there's no way we can do it. And she does like his pose and in she, the voice and everything. And the- I think it's like episode 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was great. Okay. Well, great. I I may not be happy with this ending, but I am very happy with our coverage of this series. Mm. What's, what is your favorite thing about the series, Alex? Oh, uh, Mayuri and the imagery of her the her hand the divine like grasping this this light into their universe i just loved it 
And I love that it's a through line. You see it over and over again. And then she slaps him and then he does it. And you're like, ah, she's like imparted it to him. She's like, let him be the conduit this time. That's great. But I feel like she had the the most moments of clarity, like in this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, I Yeah, I really, really liked that a lot. Yeah, which is what made it super frustrating when like, Okabe wouldn't level with her because I'm like she's emotionally brilliant. She can deal with a lot. But like, he wasn't just... though, right? Absolutely, and that again, like that's that's what frustrates me about the ending is that he didn't he didn't change enough that he could level with Mayor. But think about how we're introduced like to their dynamic. It seems like Okabe's the caretaker and she's this helpless damsel. But then, like mm-hmm. in episode twenty three, like she shows her hand that she knew what he was doing the whole time. Like he was Mm -hmm. trying to just like keep her in life and like participating in something. And, you know, like she accepted it and like that, it really flips the dynamic. I feel like that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mary's awesome. And I think the like the whole time she's kind of like, holding it together in the background like she's half the reason they eat when they're yeah, at the laboratory right. she's oh the reason God. why like a lot of the new people stay because like she gets excited and like gives them a tour and like actually becomes friends with them and kind of like kioma grabs the attention and then she actually like fills in the gaps i, I was thinking about that when he was giving her so much shit for buying this like not lending her money for this $1 toy. And you know that like <laughs> he's just eating all the food that she buys and mm-hmm. like puts in that fridge. Yeah. She's the one that works. She's got a job. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, when Ferris could be bankrolling them this whole time. But oh my no. God. Yeah. I guess at least they patronize the, uh, the cafe where they work, mm. which I guess Ferris's dad owns. Ferris, yeah, owns? apparently he just owns she like owns half it. the city. Yeah. So, well, like yeah. in yeah. this timeline, a... he's dead, though, right? Yeah, and yeah. Just, so she owns it. Own. She's maybe the richest person in Akihabara. <laughs> wow, slumming it with all these. Uh... Yes, I still don't like Ferris. <laughs> I was I was thinking a little bit of uh, I guess this is a couple years before Rick and Morty, and I think there are some parallels between Okarin and Rick a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, like obviously the lab code mm-hmm. and maybe also that sort of like big scientist personality. Like the bombastic um, thing. But maybe that's just that they're both referencing back to back to the future. That's sort of like the Doc Brown character is sort of this prototypical uh, mad scientist. I know that's explicitly the inspiration for Rick and Rick and Morty. And I think it would make sense for that to be in this time travel show mm. so. oh yeah it's funny you said that because one of the first anime conventions i went to uh someone i knew went as rick but at a certain point they got tired of the wig and took it off and everyone thought they were okabe yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah it just doubles as two outfits yeah oh i love that okay well any any last thoughts theorems conundrums about this series before we we close out the the series proper at least yeah, I'm a romantic. I liked the fluffy, sappy ending. I'm glad you liked it. And I'm glad it exists then. Oh, did, you know, like my favorite anime ending is Jin Ro. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> not very fluffy. <laughs> yeah, ultimately this is a comedy, not a tragedy. Yes, absolutely. What, one of the things that does make things comedies is that you don't have 
much character progression that mm. the character at the end is still making the same mistakes that they made at the beginning yeah i i was just gonna say do we want to say what we're doing next week do we want to figure out what we're doing next week are we gonna do um uh yeah, on the 17th, I think we're going to get together with Hayden and talk. Or sorry, not next week, but the next episode. Like for the listeners' sake, are we going to do, should we do 23B? Should we commit to it? Uh, I'm not familiar with any of this material, so I'll have to default to whoever knows it. Well, we definitely can commit to 23B. And if it's not too much to put on our plate, I think we it would be cool to, to watch the... Uh, is it like an OVA, like a two episode epilogue thing? I'm trying to remember if it, I think it's just one episode. I'm not sure if it's a double length. What's it called? Uh, uh, is it Egoistic Horiomania? Yeah. <laughs> what a name. It's like very much a bonus episode. Like it's okay. like a fan service fun thing. It's the beach episode? Yes, exactly. Okay. Like almost literally. Like it's <laughs> like they go to LA and uh, are like hanging out in you know, like driving around in a convertible and stuff. Oh, that's cute. Anything before we go into our outro stuff? What are we going to say for the outro? Uh, oh, I don't know yet. Um, but think about that while I ask Professor Viral here a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. So, Viral, if if people are enjoying you, which how can they not? How can they find more of you? Uh, I am on YouTube.com. I think I have the funny custom handle thing where it's just slash professor viral, but just nice. search on YouTube. You'll find it. How do you it. spell viral? Uh, V-I-R-A-L. But yeah, I, I just talk about uh, thematic-y stuff. Uh, so like I had, like an, it's maybe like three years old now, but I had one with talking about um, Steins Gate where mm-hmm. it was like Okabe kind of using that mask and growing in it. Um, talked about the dangers of science in it where it's like the way that, you know, a bunch of kids accidental themselves into this discovery actually isn't that far off from how some things have happened which is scary but yeah stuff like that and that's where i can be found nice and i'm going to steal alex's question if you've been enjoying this show or for someone who's been enjoying this show do you have any series that you would recommend to them or you know just some other work whether it's anime or something else I think uh, for something more serious that kind of goes with what I really liked about Steins Gate, I think uh, Trigun is worth a watch Hmm. uh, because you kind of get that similar aspect of like, here's a character putting up a front in a way and what happens as they drop the front and what's the reality behind it, how much of it is them. So I think that that's like going for like a serious one, although obviously it's more action and uh, the animation is tough at times being an older series but i think it's well worth a watch for one that's like a little lighter this is one i actually watched and and didn't find anything i really wanted to talk about but i think odd taxi is kind of like another fun one (laughs) in a similar vein where it's like there's kind of goofy stuff that feels like it shouldn't be happening at all happening and they kind of take it in stride and and things devolve into like a kind of you know comically uh dramatic mess I think it could be like an enjoyable thing along the same lines. Yeah, we awesome. mentioned it a couple of times. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, um, yeah, it sounds great. Was it the is the main character a walrus? Driver? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It has some like moments too, where like you like the you're looking at it and going like, this is nonsense. It makes no sense. Like how does that? Happen? And then you there's like one thing they reveal at the end, and you go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun 
a fun series. Yeah. You you also made some reference to Code Geass while we were talking, and I was trying to remember what that was. That That's a name that I've heard a bunch of times, but I don't know anything about that series. Is that also something you'd recommend? Yeah, I, th- I would even just for the fact of like, I think it's it's at least like 10, top 10 in terms of like popularity or most seen. Hmm. Um, really? Yeah. And it, it it is, I think, very good. It's It's kind of like singularly carried by one character but that character Mm. is so gripping and like pulls you in so much that it still works Mm. um but yeah it's it's a mecha but not really focused on the mecha like the the main character actually kind of sucks at using mechs but he's still like the main (laughs) character so there's like some interesting notes in there and uh, it really deals with that like the the mask thing as well and kind of becoming that and mm. if anyone wants oh, yeah, something about the reference you made yeah, yeah. becoming the mask yeah and if if anyone wants like the classic series of uh utilitarianism versus deontology it is like the series for that <laughs> there's a few installments of that show right yeah i think the only ones that i watched were uh, there's like Code Geass and Code Geass R2. Okay. And that's pretty much like the full story. I think the rest is just like extra or they brought yeah. it back or something. I don't know what okay. I saw, but like the action choreography was amazing. Uh, and it seemed kind of heavy on intrigue. Yeah. It's it's like political thriller with, with the action. Yeah. yeah. That, that sounds up our alley. We haven't done a mecha in a hot second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got some good ones on our radar that we got to talk about soon. Okay. Here we go. Pen. Pen. Pals. Serenity. Serenity. Oh my God. I love it. I love you all. Thank you for taking this time. This is really wonderful. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for coming back. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me back. Bye-bye.